0: So Neil, thank you for joining us today.
1: No, thank you for coming. I appreciate it.
0: So since you have just returned from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, I'm going to start from there. Sure. It's been a few years since an offline conference was held, and um, how was the atmosphere for Korean companies this time? Were there a strong interest from global farmers? Yeah, I
1: mean the the atmosphere at uh, J.P. Morgan this year was kind of very. Exciting! I think people were really enthusiastic to be back together, talking deals and partnerships and updates. Uh, yeah, the mood, the mood overall was, was was very positive. It was my first; I've been going for years, but this is the first time that I've been back in a few years as well. Um, so the the I think the reception overall for all emerging biotech companies like us was very positive. There were representatives from large pharma. Uh, investor side as well. I think for Korean companies, um, there seemed to be a large turnout. We had a Korean reception one evening that was full of Koreans and Korean company representatives. So it looked like this year was very active for the Korean community, which is very positive. And then for us specifically at Genexine, we had two objectives or two targeted groups to speak with one were the investors and the analysts and the bankers to introduce them to Genexine. I know a lot of these people already, but they do not know Genexine. So for us, the objective was to increase our exposure, talk to them about an exciting Korean bio venture company. And there's a lot of interest there in what we were doing. Uh, and then the other side group that we were meeting with were the large multinational pharmaceutical companies uh, from partnering perspective. And they were, they were certainly all there, and they were very excited to meet with us. We've been doing a lot of discussions around our, our, our late stage products. So reception was terrific from from everybody, um, especially to Genexine. I was really pleased.
0: So you have a very broad work experience in the global pharma industry, including Novartis. So what has attracted you to join Genixin?
1: That's a good question. I think that the thing that, that attracts me most is being able to kind of leverage or capture the value that each different part of the world brings to the equation. Um, So if it's possible to leverage what we're doing in Korea and Asia with what's going on in the U.S., if we can combine combine that synergistically, that's a huge advantage. And in my career, I spent time at Novartis working globally in Europe, uh, I was at IMAB leading the globalization of IMAB, so from China to the US. So it's, it's very difficult to bring together the industry and the components from different parts of the world, different language, different culture. But if an individual or a team of individuals can leverage what's going on in Korea and Asia with the US to do true global drug development, there's huge advantage and a huge amount of value that can be created. So that was really what excited me coming to Genexine, having a a base in Korea, um, but not yet in the U.S., and with my experience in the U.S., if we can kind of bring these two parts of the world and drug development capabilities together, it could unlock huge value.
0: What about its technology? I mean, how do you think it's kind of differentiated uh, versus its rivals?
1: I, mean, I don't. I don't know that it is necessarily. It's interesting. At J.P. Morgan, we had a lot of discussions around, you know, Korean technology. But at the end of the day, it's just biology and science. Whether it comes from Korea, comes from San Diego, comes from France, it doesn't really matter because technology is, is science is science. And I think what's recognized um, by people kind of outside of Korea is that you know, Korea is known for, you know, high technology, hardworking people. So there's this element of a very strong science technology base in Korea. So I think the differentiating thing from us is not our mechanism of action in our products, because there's great products all over the world. I think it's the fact that we have something that is kind of undiscovered. So for a lot of people, it's a really interesting opportunity to look at a new part of the world that has a very, you know, high perception in quality science and quality technology.
0: Okay, as a foreign CEO of a Korean company, how has been your experience so far? And what do you think have been the biggest challenges and how are you overcoming this?
1: Yeah, the experience has been very positive. Um, It's a, you know, wonderful group of people, very hardworking, extremely bright and dedicated you know, the city, the country is very welcoming. It's a really, it's a really kind of exciting place to be. So it's been really, it's been really interesting. I think the, the, you know, the challenges come with, you know, having a company that's, you know, 20 plus years old. We've been very focused on science and a little bit less focused on development and commercialization. So trying to make that shift, you know, that little bit the philosophical shift from science to development, commercialization and bringing people along. Um, I think people understand and they're enthusiastic, but there's that challenge in kind of how do we do that? So it's bringing the team along. It's also supporting the team with people who have that expertise. So that's probably the, the biggest challenge is to, is to refocus and reestablish a, you know, a little bit of a different culture. We all work hard and we're friendly, we we, we we have this huge dedication to the patient. But there's a little bit of a culture with me coming in um, but also making this transition to a late stage kind of company.
0: So basically what strategy do you have for Genesis and what have been the biggest changes since you have joined?
1: The strategy I think that again going back to the previous question, I think that you know the strategy is really to get our late stage products to market. You know, in twenty years of developing products, we don't yet have a product on the market, so there's a little bit of pressure to get get our late stage pipeline candidates out the door, get them to the patient. Um, so for us, we've been we've been really pushing on that. Um, I think it was important when I came in to prioritize and focus the pipeline because we have a very big pipeline and we can't do everything our setting. we can't we can't work on all programs so we have to be very focused on what we do so we 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 focused on the top 4 products and now the focus is on getting those to market but at the same time we also need to think about you know the future and the and the near future on what's going to be the new um, value drivers the new pipeline compounds so we spent a lot of time over the past few months really assessing our scientific capabilities, where we wanna go as far as products and and disease areas and how we're going to develop new exciting first in class, best in class candidates um, to feed that pipeline. So two two stages, one is um, commercialize the late stage, but also uh, establish a really exciting new pipeline.
0: In the recent letter to shareholders, you have mentioned that the company is facing an inflection point in the next few years. Um, can you elaborate this? And how is the company preparing for this?
1: Yeah, that's, that's... I mean, the inflection point really goes from I mean, two aspects. One is, again, to become a commercial stage company. That's a big, again, philosophical shift and a big change in expertise as well. So from our perspective, you know, what, are we doing to, what are we doing to prepare for this, as you asked? Um, again, it's understanding global development. We're also looking to bring in talent that has that capacity to, to do um, late-stage development. Um, the transition also comes with looking to expand beyond the Korean borders. Again, we've got a very strong base here. But Korea itself is not a is not a market. So we need to think where do we have to be to you know generate revenue and generate value. So the inflection comes from pushing to the US, opening an office, hiring some people in the US to be able to conduct business outside of Korea in order to, again, do drug development in all parts of the world, which is really where the value is generated. So can
0: you briefly tell us about the recent and upcoming R&D milestones for key pipelines?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, we've had a good six, eight months um, with our pipeline compounds. As I said, we focused, our, we focused our pipeline on kind of three or four top products. I think the one that we're uh, very excited about, uh, which has been in the news over the past couple of months, is the DNA vaccine in cervical cancer. Uh, what was important to us Last year, as we, as we um, focused our pipeline, it was important to lay out the timeline and meet the deliverables. And the deliverable last year for the DNA vaccine was completion of the phase two study. We had a really, really important Korean based study in late stage cervical cancer with our DNA vaccine. So for me, it was important when I joined the company to envision when we would get those data and when we would be able to communicate them externally. Uh, So we targeted a big scientific conference in September, ESMO, and we reported the top-line data, and we updated the the market uh, at the end of the year with a completed phase two. So we completed phase two in the DNA vaccine kind of on schedule uh, last year. Uh, The data itself was very exciting. Our overall survival rate um, and... uh, um, response rate was significantly better than standard of care uh, that we see in the market already. So we've got some numbers that are very exciting for us moving forward in cervical cancer. The next step for us this year is to initiate the next clinical study. So right now we're evaluating a, a number of different options in cervical cancer. So later this year, we expect to start that next phase three study en route to getting that to market. And then very recently with the GX188, uh, cervical cancer vaccine, we received fast track designation from MFDS. And that's kind of a significant recognition of the value of the product to contribute positively to patients. So the so the Korean uh, Health Authority has has given us that fast track designation, recognizing that this is a, you know, has potential in treating cervical cancer patients. So that was a big milestone for us. This year coming up will be important. Uh, For our GXH9, for our growth hormone product, Um, over last year and this year, we're looking to complete our phase three registration trial. Um, That should be completed around the middle of this year. Once we have that, we collect the data, and we're looking to file uh, the BLA. So to get on the market, um, we're going to file that early next year. So this time next year, we should be filing our first BLA in China for our growth hormone product. So again, this is all en route to Commercializing our prod- products, and the other one I'll quickly reference is our long-acting erythropoietin (EPO) GXE4. So, two components there. We're working with KG Bio on that program. We are looking to complete the phase three studies and submit for market authorization um, in, and this is for um, chronic kidney disease-induced anemia. So one is a group of non-dialysis patients and dialysis patients. So we're completing the non-dialysis patients, now looking to submit our first BLAs over the next 12 months. So that should be on market, on the market in Asia over the next one or two years. And then in addition, we've just started a phase three study in the dialysis patient population. So that's moving forward this year. So all these products are advanced stage, either phase three registration or BLA submission stage. So these are the products that we're pushing to get on the market. And then in addition, we're also talking with potential partners for license out opportunities for these programs as well.
0: So the DNA vaccine you have talked about, it's only in the Korean market? I mean, the clinical trials are ongoing in the Korean market. We have,
1: we've completed clinical trials in Europe Um, a few years ago. The ones that we just presented, um, the study was run in Korea. Correct. We're also doing, which I didn't mention, in cervical cancer, that trial was done in Korea. We're also running two um, small clinical trials in Korea in head and neck cancer with the DNA vaccine. And that's really interesting. That's a huge unmet medical need. So how how we advance in cervical cancer, is critical because that's late stage, but how we advance in head and neck cancer is also very important as well.
0: So last year, you announced vision for the U.S. market and plans to set up a U.S. branch. So why is the U.S. market significant for genocine?
1: Well, I think the U.S. market should be significant for kind of every bio-venture, every biotech company. I mean, you can't really ignore the U.S. market. It's the largest market. It's the only free market. So from a from a you know it's got one of the most recognized health authorities, the US FDA, which really does validate your 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 product. So I think most companies and certainly Genexine, you know, needs to be conducting clinical trials in the US um, and the rest of the world. Uh, It it really is a way to unlock true value of your product. It's not just because it's the US or Asia, but I mean that's how you. That's how you maximize value of your product if you can do global clinical trials. And certainly in the U.S. it's it's, it's critical. So I think for us, you know, there's, there's a couple of aspects to the U.S. It's not only about accessing the FDA and the U.S. trials, but it's also important for us to, <clears throat> to be able to uh, expand our shareholder base and access new investors. And obviously some of the more sophisticated long-term investors are in the U.S. So if we want to be attractive to them as a potential investment opportunity, which again, at J.P. Morgan, there was a lot of interest, we need to have a presence in the U.S. to, you know, to market ourselves to, to, to those investors in order to broaden the shareholder base, in order to access capital. And we also want to access, as I mentioned before, people. You know, some, some of the best global drug development people are in the U.S., so if we have a presence in the U.S., we can work with you know, th- those experts and have them complement our team here. And we can also access uh, new technologies. So if we wanna, when we want to build our pipeline, if there's opportunities and technology in the U.S., we can have a presence there. We can access them and bring them back to Korea to develop. So there's a number of reasons to be present in the U.S.
0: So the U.S. branch doesn't mean that it's going to like, lead the clinical trials there
1: well I mean it, I think I think much of you know much of what we do moving forward will be done out of Korea I mean this is our headquarters this is where you know all of our people are right now um, I think having a you know having a presence in the us as far as clinical trials I think we probably do have to have people on the ground in the u s to help manage those u s trials but again it's 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 a it's certainly a a complement you know complements what we're doing here and I'm, I'm certainly not interested in setting up Two different companies it's just having a you know a few people locally to support you know what we're doing here on the global level
0: and one of your key ambitions seem to be turning the company into a global biopharma so in your view what does it mean to exactly become a global biopharma and what efforts should be taken to reach this goal
1: it's true yeah i mean the, the word you know global is kind of a big word and i don't want to get too You know, I don't want to get too ahead by suggesting we're going to be this massive global. It really means um, just being able to conduct is a first step, conduct global clinical trials to to, to, to unlock the value. And if we can, you know, if we can do a a clinical trial in Korea in phase one and then go to the U.S. and start phase two. So if we can kind of leverage the the data or do a phase one in the U.S. and then come here to do a phase two, it really does streamline the process makes it faster time to get our products to market at a lower cost so i think it's kind of key to be able to understand true global drug development because that's as i said earlier that's where the value comes from Um, but for us i think you know we're not we're certainly not trying to do everything globally i think what would be what's important for us is to you know really kind of own this part of the world. We have such a strong base here with some very talented people. We've got a lot of partnerships and connections and relationships in Asia. So I think for Genexian if we can kind of be a, you know, an, an, an owner, if you will, if we can be very strong and dominate this part of the world. So the Asia, you know, as, as, as the people call it in the industry, the rest of the world, you know, if we can really own the rest of the world over here, While we partner in the U.S. and Europe, that could be a really interesting model because I think large pharma tends to not know how to address rest of world countries because they they seem to be very, you know, they're smaller, they're diverse, different health authorities. So if we could be a partner that really understands and dominates not only in Korea, but in Asia and Middle East area, we could be that partner for large pharma to kind of develop products here while we partner with them in the U.S. So that's kind of a little bit the, you know, the longer term vision, but the global, the global positioning potentially of Genexine. But as a first stage, it really is just accessing talent to help us kind of plan and strategize about global development and then start doing, you know, U.S. trials with a vision of being the, you know, this, this rest of the world kind of um, dominant company.
0: Um, you have also mentioned that one of your priorities is to bring in new pipelines. So what are the key interested areas in, in terms of therapeutic areas and modalities, and how would this complement your existing
1: pipelines? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. we spent a lot of time, um, well, over the past year or the past six months, looking at new pipeline opportunities. As I said, there's a bit of a balance between let's focus on the old pipeline first and make sure it kind of completes its journey to the patient. Um, But now we're kind of, that's nicely on its way. We need to look at kind of what is the new pipeline going to look like? Um, You know, we have a ton of expertise in um, immuno-oncology. So that's certainly an area that we're going to, um, that we're going to focus on biologics. Um, You know, we've developed most of our compounds off of a couple of really interesting proprietary platforms, this long acting high FC platform. Um, so is there a way to generate new products off of that? And we're certainly looking at that. What we're doing now is kind of strengthening our R&D. We've gotten a little bit away from kind of true R&D in the past couple of years. So I think it's important for us to now start to strengthen our internal kind of discovery efforts. And we've made we've made efforts to do that. So looking at our internal capacity to generate new assets um, in the oncology field. It's kind of exciting. We're looking at ways to, um, to take forward um, either bi-specific or monoclonal antibodies. We've got some novel ideas we're coming with there. Um, we're also looking at outside, you know, outside candidates as well, externally generated pipeline opportunities. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a lot of partnerships around the region um, with a lot of very good uh, companies, and being here in Korea allows us to kind of tap into some of these resources. So it'll be a balanced one, I think, of internally generated assets um, quite possibly in the field of oncology and then again supported and complemented by you know, one or two assets that we'll look to in license from some strong companies as well. So that but building this pipeline in the first, you know, six, over the next six, 12 months is really critical to our, to our success. This it's year and beyond
0: primarily on oncology
1: that I mean for we have such an expertise there I mean primarily that's going to be our focus I think one of the things in the past we've been a little bit too broad in our you know in our disease area coverage and that's I think that's come a little bit from our long-acting platform and we generated new products off the platform and not really focused in one area because the the platform has a lot of potential there. But I think for us now going forward, we need to be a little bit more specialized in certain regions and certain disease areas. So oncology, we've looked at a couple of rare diseases as well. So oncology, rare disease might be a focus for us going forward.
0: So um, the stock market and financing market have been quite depressed last year and the situation hasn't really improved so far. (laughs) And I think you are uh, planning to launch a large rights offering.
1: It's finished it 's already finished
0: so, okay. so um, but i 'm happy
1: th- i 'm happy to talk about it Right. so
0: where do you plan to use the proceeds for this rise of rain?
1: yeah i mean you 're absolutely right the, the the industry the markets are really challenging you know we we saw a little bit of life come back at J p Morgan there were some deals done, so we 're hoping that might have been the start we 'll see, but worldwide, you know including Korea, including the u s very tough markets, so we did. Yeah, we did really well. We started the rights offering a few months ago, and we just closed a couple of weeks ago. And we raised about 85 billion Korean won. So we're really, really pleased. And we're in, as, a, as, a, as a rights offering, obviously, we're offering it to our shareholders. So the shareholders were very supportive. So we were grateful to our shareholders and appreciate their, their support. Um, and now we have that capital um, available, you know, we're gonna be very careful how we spend it because again, we're still we still know the markets are difficult. So cash management and cash conservation are still right at the right at the front of our thinking. But knowing we have to also move forward and make progress, um, you know almost all of the money over the next you know, months, years will be spent on R and D clinical development. So there's a couple of clinical trials that we're targeting for, um, uh, for the program. Certainly the, the, the GXE4, we've initiated that trial, the long-acting EPO um, uh, allocation there, uh, allocation to the um, cervical cancer vaccine. You know We're also spo- supporting the manufacturing of our interleukin-7. I didn't really reference IL-7, but that's a key product for us as well. So clinical trials, manufacturing are really the bulk of the spend um, from those proceeds, and then a certain amount of that will also be used to generate new pipeline opportunities. But it's the clinical programs that that are you know the most costly in in the drug development process.
0: So this will be the last question. And uh, based on your experience with global pharma's, um, are there any advice or suggestions that for Korean bioventures to overcome the current harsh environment? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Perseverance and stick with it. And, you know, again, the, it's like, a, it's like a pendulum right now, the pendulum has gone to the, you know, to the difficult side of the financing, but it always swings back. Um, so if we can kind of, you know, for other companies, if they can kind of survive until the pendulum swings back and it becomes a much more interesting time. Um, I think that's critical, you know, and in I mean if, if a couple of different things I think that I'd, suggest to my to my colleagues one is again all around preserving cash I mean save cash um, really focus on on cash management make it last as long as you can I think that's number one uh, I think number two you know companies such as ours are in the industry really have to focus on truly differentiated assets you know you have to think about will what do people outside pharma companies and, and 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 physicians, what do they want to buy? What do they want? And you have to make your products attractive to doctors and large pharma companies who want to partner them. So developing me too products or, or not differentiated assets is not a good, not a good strategy. And I think the third piece of advice is around your, you know, clinical trial designing for me, it's, You know, whatever we can control, we should do our best at doing that. So, you know, designing the most appropriate clinical trial, because you really only get one chance. So make sure it's the best design trial, randomized control trial, and then make sure that it's executed to perfection, because that's what we control in the industry. We design our own studies, so make sure you have enough uh, involvement of the experts and then you execute according to timeline. And then you hope that the biology you know, supports the outcome, because that's what's not in your control. How the body reacts to the drugs, that's science. So control what you can execute perfectly, conserve cash, first-in-class, best-in-class assets, and try to wait for the pendulum to swing back, and things should be a lot better. Okay, that's
0: it. Thank you very much for the
1: interview. You're very welcome. Great questions. Thank you.